Hey all you cool bears and cubs, welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. And before we get into it, I just wanted to add a little note about that. For the time being, I think we're going to be rolling with three podcasts per week during the NHL pause. So you can expect a podcast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the time being. Uh, I had hoped to be able to do it every day, but um, the circumstances being what they are with work and homeschooling and life in general, um, it's proving to be a touch difficult. So I'll try to put out as many as I can, but I can guarantee at least three per week with Monday, Wednesday, and Friday being the normal rotation moving forward. With that said, uh, thank you for joining me today on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of this daily Boston Bruins podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. The show can also be found on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. If you have found the podcast on your favorite podcast app, then Thank you for doing so, and I would encourage you to subscribe to it so that anytime a new podcast is uploaded, it'll come right to your app. It can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Apple listeners in particular. I'd encourage you to leave a rating and a review. It would be very much appreciated. Please forgive my creaky office chair. That was what you heard just there, I assure you. Now, today on the podcast, we're going to look at some actual Bruins news and notes, followed by a dip into the mailbag, and then take a look at some general hockey stuff, developments in the COVID-19 era, and what we can expect moving forward. First of all, I wanted to talk about something that was mentioned on the podcast last week, and that was a report from the Boston Globe stating that Tuka Rask was not considering retirement, that retirement was a possibility following the expiration of his current contract, which would be at the end of the 2020-2021 NHL season. He was on the Greg Hill Show on WEEI 93.7 on Tuesday, And he kind of clarified what took place around that interview in question. He said, listen, I remember the interview, if you can even call it an interview. This reporter asked me some questions right after practice when I was packing my bag. And all I said was my contract's up in 2021, so every option is on the table. I haven't made any decisions on any direction yet. Obviously, we're not even playing hockey right now, so that'll be in the future. It's definitely not on my mind right now. Just trying to take care of the family and go back to hockey whenever that happens and then go from there. I'm sure we're going to have good conversations with Don Sweeney after the season and go from there. That's when he would be eligible to sign a contract extension. He added, I'm only 34. It's not too old. Might play another year or two and go from there. But I don't want to promise anything either way because you never know what's going to happen. So obviously the report that he's Considering retirement, um, you know, that's a bit of a stretch. And he kind of clarified things. Looks like he was caught a bit off guard with the question and answered a bit off the cuff. And it was spun um, into that story as things can be done 
in this day and age. Um, in terms of coming back after the pause, Rask went on to say, you can get in shape pretty quickly, but I think the issue here is no one knows when it's going to be. They can't give us a window of like three weeks or a month in advance because it might be like, hey, Alyssa, we're going to start up next week. Grab your skates and let's go. Then you've got no choice but to get back in shape. You can work out all you want off the ice, but if you're not skating, that's not really helping. So basically he said, as long as we get a week or two with high intensity training on ice with the team, I think everybody's going to be ready to go. It's not going to be the same situation as it would be going into the playoffs normally, but I'm sure the intensity would pick up right away. And I think that seems to be the consensus at the moment that players would need a good week or two to have a a bit of a mini training camp before the playoffs would resume or sorry, before play would resume perhaps an exhibition game or two, or I don't know if they'll be able to fit any regular season games in at the moment. And honestly, I'm not really sure that the playoffs will start at all, uh, seeing as how things are going at the moment, but that's kind of the timeline players would need in order to, uh, have a bit of a return back to the ice. Tuka Rask was also in the news this week as Zdeno Chara kind of poked fun at him the other day on one of these NHL Zoom calls that have been going around. And basically, Tuka Rask was accused of having smelly farts. Bruins captain Zdeno Chara was asked who he'd least like to be quarantined with among his teammates. And Chara busted out a gem saying, I have to say Tuka Rask. The way he farts, the smell is awful. He likes his chicken wings. And after the chicken wings, I've had to sit behind him on the bus. I've got to tell you, I've got to control myself sometimes. Pretty hilarious answer. I don't know how Rask took it. I'm sure he took it in jest as it was intended. A pretty funny answer from Chara. Kind of embarrassing for Rask. But, you know, we're desperate for content these days, so that's what we have to work with. Another Bruins note in the news came out uh, on Tuesday, and it was the NHLPA player poll, which is a um, look back at the past season. 600 NHL players were surveyed on more than 20 hockey-related questions, variety of topic. Topics covering skills, players, arenas, teams, and some off-ice fun. There were some Bruins who were mentioned in the survey. Most notably, Brad Marchand, who was named both the best trash talker and the worst trash talker. So, obviously, there's a group of players out there who appreciate his barbs and those who are kind of sick of it. I think you can safely lump them all in to one category and say that he's probably the most vocal player in the NHL. Patrice Bergeron came up in a couple questions as well. One of them was, if you need to win one game, who's the one player you'd want on your team? Sidney Crosby won with 44% of the vote. Connor McDavid had 30.5%, followed by Nathan McKinnon at 4.11, and then Patrice Bergeron in fourth place at 3.33% of the vote out of 511 votes. 
Bergeron finished second in who is the most complete player. Sidney Crosby won at 45.56. Bergeron came in second at 25.44. And that is obviously indicative of the fact that Bergeron is regularly in the running for the Selkie Trophy as the NHL's top two-way player forward. So there you have it. There's some Bruins in the news. Nice to be able to actually talk about these guys a little bit. And now let's jump into the latest installment of the mailbag. Some great questions came in this week. Thank you for sending those over to me via Twitter at Ian C. McLaren at LO underscore Boston Bruins. The first comes from at Heldrificus, my old friend Kyle from The Score. He asks, not hockey related, but what shows, games, activities are keeping your boys sane during all of this? For those who don't know, uh, my wife and I have three sons, age 9, 7, and 5. Schools are currently closed up here, uh, all over the place really. And uh, that's the case until at least May 4th. And I believe that will be the case for the remainder of the school year. So we have some online learning resources that they are supposed to be doing at the moment, which have been helpful, but also a bit of a battle because, you know, we're not teachers and this is secondary to us as, you know, our parental role. So it's a bit challenging to put on all those hats, but otherwise, um, there's a new season of Nailed It, which our oldest is really into. They've been watching this YouTube channel called Blippy, which as far as I can understand is a 30-something-year-old gentleman, 20-something-year-old gentleman who just does these crazy YouTube videos with some learning attached to it, so that's nice. Uh, we've been watching some America's Funniest Videos on YouTube. Our middle son is huge into Full House, so we've been burning through some of those. We do have a creek that's within walking distance of our house, so we social distancing, obviously. We walk down the road to the path entrance through the woods to this uh, pretty sweet series of two or three bridges with this creek running underneath it we go there and and chuck rocks in there the other day as we were walking through the empty field to get there there was a dude flying this drone and he saw us come in and put on a bit of an air show for us so that was pretty cool um boys are playing some roblox they have some nintendo ds's that they've been playing i busted out the nhl 19 and, and re started my Bruins um, season and was able to add both Nick Ritchie and Andre Cash, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, so yeah, just trying to keep busy, reading books, playing games, doing crafts. My wife is doing the brunt of the homeschooling, and she's a she's a rock star, doing it every day while I work and record upstairs. Second question comes from Rachel, who is co-host of the Locked on Flyers podcast and she asks is it worth to speculate where the Bruins or any team for that matter will end up in the draft order or do we really need at least the structure of how things will go down before trying to scout out potential picks at this point let's assume that hockey's done so 
I would expect that they would weight it by point percentage from 1 to 31, meaning the Bruins would be in line to get the 31st overall pick. However, the Bruins uh, don't own that pick, seeing as they traded it to the Anaheim Ducks in the David Backus deal. They do, however, have second and third round picks. The fourth round pick was traded away last season, I believe in the Marcus Johansson trade. So, yeah, I mean, if the Bruins do finish 31st, or sorry, do finish first, they would be in line for the last pick in each round, barring any trades, based on point percentage. That's how I assume they would do things. Obviously, the hope is that the playoffs will resume and it'll be based on how you finish in the playoffs. But um, that is how I am guessing things are going to go at this point. But it is really a bit too early for that. Famous Pat Bervik at Little Ball of Hate 16 asks, would Mika Zibanejad be leading the league in points if he'd played the whole season so far? There's a really easy way to answer that question. That's to look at points per game. Mika Zibanejad is sitting on 41 goals and 34 assists for 75 points through 57 games for a point-per-game average of 1.32. If you extrapolate that over 82 games, I think that works out to about 108 points, which would put him two back of league leader Leon Dreisaitl, uh, who had 110 points through only 71 games. So at Dreisaitl's one point. 5-5 per game pace, 1.55 times 82. He'd be on track to get 127 points. So Dreisaito would fall, uh, sorry, Zibanejad would fall about 19 points short of Dreisaito if they both kept up their current point per game paces. Uh, McDavid was at 1.52. Artemi Panarin at 1.38. David Pasternak, 1.36. Nathan McKinnon and Evgeny Malkin at 1.35. And then Zibanejad came in at 1.32. So, you know, he'd be in the top 10, but certainly not on track to lead the league in points. Jay Zawoski, who is the host of the Locked on Blackhawks podcast, he asks... How do you feel about the Bruins broadcast team being named worst in the NHL? This according to a recent poll from The Athletic that came out actually just uh, this morning. It was put together by Jonathan Willis, who is out there in Edmonton. Started with a survey for nearly a month. Hockey writers across The Athletic shared the link and asked their readers to share their opinions on their local broadcast teams and the best and worst Elsewhere, thousands of people responded, and the Boston Bruins broadcast ranked 31st out of all 31, uh, yeah, local broadcasts. The results it said Nesson does have its defenders around the league, but they're outnumbered six to one by detractors, making it by far the most loathed broadcast in hockey. Out of market viewers were three times more likely to mention Boston as one of the worst broadcasts in hockey than they were any other team. Local fans tend to be more lenient, but even they are underwhelmed by the product on offer. Uh, 
Andy Brickley's commentary generally gets positive reviews in and out of market, but otherwise, respondents were merciless. Most of the ire, of course, being directed towards uh, Jack Edwards, as well as cluttered game presentation, ticker, camera work, cuts, replays. Uh, it says, Edwards' passion wins in some fans locally, and even outside Boston, there are people who like his work, with one non-Bruins respondent calling him the definition of chaotic good. Collectively, they're a drop in the ocean. No other figure in NHL broadcasting attracted the same level of vitriol that Nesson's play-by-play man garnered. Now, I'm a bit of a unique case in that I am perhaps a bit biased towards the Bruins, but also I'm an out-of-market fan, seeing as I am up here in Ontario. Uh, I watch all the Nesson broadcasts via uh, Game Center. And to be honest, I don't, I don't mind it. I actually really like uh, Andy Brickley. He's got a bit of an old school vibe to him as a former player, but uh, I think he is able to break down plays and the action uh, very incisively without really, you know, going into too much in terms of advanced statistics and tracking and things like that. As for Jack Edwards, obviously, I think a lot of the hate just comes from the fact that he is the Bruins play-by-play guy. A lot of people around the league don't like the Bruins in general and therefore won't like their broadcast no matter who it is because of the fact that local broadcasts tend to be biased towards the home team no matter what. Of course, in terms of Jack Edwards, he can be quite over the top at times, very homerific, if you will. Uh, but in terms of calls, uh, you know, he's he's pretty creative and has some some doozies and uh, it's generally good for a laugh and entertaining. You know, the local home broadcast, I think, yeah, is always going to be a bit biased towards the home team. Bruins fans are watching. They want to be entertained and Edwards does that. So, you know, I, do, I don't have a fresh recollection of all the home broadcasts. I did watch a bunch when I was back at the score and you know we'd watch multiple games every night uh but uh in terms of watching Bruins games which I do most regularly uh I don't say I can't say I hate it too much but I I understand why uh, why others would rank it low I think what's missing from this is the addition of Sofia Yerkstevich uh who previously worked for Sportsnet up here in Canada, the new rinkside reporter on Nesson. She has done an amazing job and has been a great addition to the team. And uh, there's no mention of her in this survey, but I think that uh, her presence alone bumps it up a few notches in my estimation. Next question comes from Jason Silva at Jason Silva 67. And he has a fantastic question. He asks, where would Benji Ovich fit into the Bruins lineup? For those of you who aren't familiar with Benji Ovich, he is a character in the Beartown and Us Against You books uh, written by Frederick Bachman from Sweden. They are two excellent hockey novels that I cannot highly recommend enough. Uh, Benji Ovich is the best friend of the star player on the team, uh, known more as you know, uh, an enforcer, a protector out there, but also very layered character, 
I, I won't give too much away, but there's a lot of depth to his character. And uh, he is greater than just, you know, a face puncher. Uh, I'd put him... Uh, I wouldn't put quite into the um, Brad Marchand role. Probably more of a third or fourth liner, maybe taking over Chris Wagner's spot on the third line, or sorry, fourth line right wing. Wagner was playing third line right wing earlier uh, prior to the pause. But in terms of Ovich, I'd say, you know, he's a, a hitter, a checker, does have a bit of a scoring touch, so I'd probably put him on the fourth line. Um, although he might be bumped up in this scenario just based on his relationship with star players like uh, Bergeron, Pasternak, or Marchand in a pinch. Last question comes from Chris Hill at Hill underscore Chris. He said, if you didn't have hockey, which sport is up next? My first sports love was baseball. I, I grew up watching the Toronto Blue Jays through the early runs into the postseason and then through the glory years of the back-to-back World Series. So those two um, yeah, championships really cemented the Blue Jays as my first sports love. I really fell in love with the Toronto Raptors when they came on the scene as well and was obviously over the moon last spring when they won the championship. There was actually a chance that the Raptors and Bruins would win on consecutive nights. Uh, we all know that didn't happen, but basically would have been the two greatest sports nights of my life. Uh, but got the Raptors in there. So I can think overall, if I didn't have hockey, whew, I think maybe basketball because NBA is so entertaining and uh, the storylines are incredible and uh, it's a fun sport to watch. But I put baseball up there as well uh, just because it's been my favorite sport the longest Thanks so much for those questions. Those were great. And now let's finish the show with some news and notes from around hockey. One of the big things was the NHL extended its self-isolation period for players and staff to April 15th because of the COVID-19 situations. Darren Drager of TSM believes the league won't return to NHL facilities until local authorities in each market lift the ban on social gatherings. Pierre Lebrun added, Reports playing a 16-team playoff in four centralized, less affected locations without fans is among the options under consideration by the league. Up here in Toronto, the city yesterday announced a ban on city-led events until June 30th. However, it clarified that this doesn't prohibit sporting events at private facilities. So a glimmer of hope there uh, for hockey, basketball up here in Canada at least. I think that's all, you know, the updates that there are in terms of hockey and COVID-19. And again, it's still very much up in the air whether the league will resume play. It seems less and less likely as each day passes and we see projected, uh, you know, numbers as to how many people this virus will affect. Very scary. And I hope everyone is staying safe, uh, staying in and staying occupied uh, I know it's a challenge. I, I haven't left my house in a couple of days and um, it's going to be harder now that the weather is getting nicer to stay indoors and not, you know, go to park or something like that. But uh, it's 
all the parks up here are closed and there's not really much to do other than play in the yard, play some hockey out front of our house and, and just make the best of it. Um, my wife and I have been watching Ozark season three, which is excellent so far. We're only on episode four at the moment, but uh, really living up to the hype communities back on Netflix. And I plan to uh, binge those again for the second time. I've only watched them once, I think. And, you know, just trying to read and stay rested and, and really make the best of it. Um, like I said, we'll be back on Friday with another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I really appreciate those who continue to listen despite the lack of hockey. And hopefully there is some Bruins hockey to talk about soon. Would love, love, love to get this team back on the ice with the chance to uh, try to avenge last season's disappointing loss. And, you know, looking back at the 2011 team with the games re-airing on Nesson, uh, I really believe this group of Bruins that we have now is as deep and as good as the team that won in 2011, the two teams that went to the finals last year and in 2013 and have a good chance of winning uh, all things being equal. So hopefully they get a chance to do that. Again, my name is Ian McLaren. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. Follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Apple users, please leave a rating and a review. And do check out other Locked On Hockey podcasts on the Locked On Network, Locked On NHL, and if your favorite team is elsewhere, you're interested in any other teams, there are those out there too. Take care of yourselves, friends, and uh, I'll catch you later. Peace.